Hey, good morning again. So good to see you all here at the Neighborhood Church. We are so glad to be God's people together. We are a new creation people, a people of hope in the midst of darkness and fear. We gather to look at it square in the face and say that death and darkness and evil does not get the last word. We believe Jesus, the risen King, does. Amen? Amen. Hey, I hope you got a sermon handout. It's that little piece of paper that was on some of the pages there. If you didn't, that's okay. We've got some extras. Robert, can you grab some extras? And if you need one of those, you can raise a hand and he'll get you one of those. I want to tell you this story that Amy just recited to our children. And it's from the book of Matthew. In the Bible, there's two halves. There's the Old Testament and then the New Testament. And the New Testament is the stories of Jesus and the people of Jesus. And there are four stories, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we're going to look at Matthew's account of the resurrection of Jesus. It's going to be there on your paper there. You might have to grab your glasses because I tried to squeeze it all there. I see my man Don with his glasses on taking a good look. So let's look there together, all right? We're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 28. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. Then there was a violent earthquake For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and, going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and become like dead men. The angel then said to the women, Do not be afraid. For I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified, but he is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he is risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I've told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and they ran to tell his disciples. But suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. And they came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. In our church, we say, this is the word of God for the people of God. And we say, thanks be to God. I have a question for you. When was the last time you were amazed? When was the last time you were amazed? Now, I'm talking about beyond happy, beyond excited. I'm talking about that mixture of awe and wonder with a dash of mind-blownness. Is that a word, mind-blownness? If you hear nothing, hear this word, mind-blownness. When was the last time you were amazed? If you're like me, you have to think hard about it, truthfully, because it's not an everyday kind of emotion or experience. And it may sound cliche, but when I was thinking about it this week, 
I remember a time when I visited the Grand Canyon. Now, this was when I was an adult. I had never been before, and I had had a picture of the Grand Canyon on the desktop background of my laptop for months because I was preparing for this trip. I was going with my cousin Andrea and my dad, and we, after a long journey, finally show up to the Grand Canyon. It was dusk, the sun was setting, and I finally saw it with my own eyes. And it was an amazing experience. It was mind-blowing, mind-blownness, and I stood there amazed. But here's the trick. I heard that the average visit to the Grand Canyon is like 16 minutes. You come, you see, you snap some pictures, then you got to get on the bus and hightail it out of there. But we weren't there to just look at it. We were there because we were dumb enough to hike it. So the next morning, we were going to wake up and march all the way down. Stay the night. Bill and Sherry, you did this. Y'all had an adventure. Ask them about their night at the bottom of the Grand Canyon and the raccoon visitor that visited them in their cabin. We weren't there to just look at it. We were there to hike it, to experience it. So this morning, as we look to this account of these two women, other gospels include other women, but these two women come to the tomb in grief. They see that the tomb is empty, and then they go afraid, yet full of what? Joy. I think that's a way of capturing this word amazed and mind-blownness even better. They go afraid yet full of joy. Something about what they saw compelled them and propelled them. This amazing encounter with an angel and then the surprise encounter of a risen Lord who they had just seen crucified. These two women came to the tomb of Jesus as mourners but then left as messengers announcing that God's new creation just might be available to us here and now. So I want to spend the next few moments talking about this same invitation that these women had to come and see, but then to go and tell. This is the invitation for all of us as we gather on a Sunday morning, singing and announcing that God's new creation really is available to us here and now. Because I don't know about you, but I need to be reminded. I need to be reminded because most of our lives look more like Good Friday with death and darkness than they do Easter Sunday with the new dawn and light of hope. So we need to be reminded. Amen? The invitation is to come, to take a step closer to Jesus, to allow ourselves perhaps to let him surprise us. And then we just might see if God's transformation and power is really actually for us. And then we're to go to walk in a new way, to walk in a new life, not just to look at it, but to go and walk in it. And then to tell others of this new life that's possible in our risen king. This is our story. This is our invitation. So if you're with me, you've heard this phrase, new creation, right? If you're paying attention, that's nowhere on our little handout in the passage of scripture. 
Only later, after reflection on this amazing story, do the writers of the New Testament begin to say, no, 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 what God was doing here was nothing short of recreating anew this world. And if you had a Bible open, the verse before the one that's on your handout has a scene in which these big, bad, burly guards are posted to the tomb and they seal up the stone. And y'all, right after Matthew tells us that Jesus was sealed up with these dudes in front of the tomb, we read these words. After the Sabbath, the day of waiting and rest, at dawn, when the sun is rising, on the what? First day of the week. Now, I don't know about you, but I need help. And I think what Matthew is doing for people like me is shaking us by the shoulders and saying, hey, wake up. Something new is happening here. New creation is happening. Easter's not just a happy ending to the story of the cross. Hey, psych, it's all good now, y'all. It's not just a happy ending. It is a new beginning. And this is what they're starting to perceive this morning. That morning, those two women take the beads like Amy talked about. When Jesus said he was going to be a king, they had this bead that said, why was he enthroned on a cross? They had this bead that said he was going to absorb all of sin and death and darkness so that he could bring us out into new life. What just happened? They have this bead. The reason he got killed was because Jesus was walking around saying, this temple, and he's pointing to a building. They're like, that temple? He goes, yeah, I'm going to destroy it. But on the third day, God's going to raise it up. And they said, yeah, that, that one right there that took like so long to build, right? Okay, this is not Lego sets, dude. This is, are you serious? They have this bead that said, we've gone for generations to meet God at the temple, because that's where heaven and earth meet. They have this bead. All of a sudden, at dawn on the first day of the week, it's as if God's light begins to color these things anew. And they begin to process, perhaps for the first time, that even though God's king was enthroned on the cross, it was because he chose to bring life instead of death. Perhaps it was because he chose to be killed rather than to kill. Perhaps he was enthroned on a cross to show the world that a new king in a new way is possible when all the other kings and kingdoms advance in death and darkness. Perhaps I will absorb all of the sin and death, turn the other cheek, forgive, and elevate the world to a new possibility, new creation. And oh, by the way, this religious place where you went to go see God, where heaven and earth meet, that's actually now in me. And my body that was torn down was raised up, and the new community of all the nations, where they want to go to meet God, they come to me. And perhaps, just maybe, the stories that you heard of God as this angry person that was out to get us was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, saying, don't go there, don't do this, don't try to earn it, it's been done, the invitation's here, would you come to me? That's funny, that's what Jesus said. Come to me, you who are burned out, bailed out, no whiff of religion, no sense of religiosity, no problem come to me. 
Perhaps these beads are starting to be colored again by God's new creation. But here's the other problem, y'all. We don't just hold those Bible theological beads. All of us in this room are holding beads of grief. We're holding beads of pain. We're holding beads of illness. We're holding beads of brokenness. We're holding beads of death. We're holding beads of our brothers and sisters in Sri Lanka that woke up Easter morning to confess the new creation of Jesus when only death and destruction seems to try to invade. But the challenge of Easter is this. Could we dare believe that life, light, and love are actually stronger than death and darkness and evil because life and light and love and God's king and his kingdom will outlast them. And so could we hold these beads that we're carrying that you walked into this place and hold them in light of new creation? And instead of saying, if not now, when, could we say, God, if not now, if it's not made new now, if it's not transformed now, then one day could I hope and trust and come and see and dare to believe that you really will make all things new? If not now, then this is why I need to be reminded. And this is why we gather and we sing songs that death was arrested even though we taste death. We follow Jesus out of the tomb and believe that not even death gets the last word. I love the next part of the story. The earthquake, probably because they were rolling a big old stone. Then you got the lightning and the whiteness and the brightness and the angels speaking. And then I love this. Those big, bad, burly guards, they're shaking in their boots. That's what it says in the original Greek, I bet. The Texas version. They were shaking in their boots and it says they were like dead men. I love this for two reasons. Because like Matthew is shaking us by the shoulders again and saying, hey, they can't stop this. And secondly, these are the only two dead-looking things in this whole tomb, y'all. All of this to communicate to us, hey, 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 God is in this. Don't miss this. The angel comes and says, do not be afraid. At the beginning of Matthew's story, when we talk about Christmas, an angel shows up and says, hey, don't miss this. It sounds crazy. Would you dare believe? Do not be afraid, is what the angel says then. At the birth of God's son, and then way down the line in Matthew's story, he says, hey, don't be afraid. This is the birth of God's new world. Would you walk in it? Would you live in it? Would you come and see? That's the invitation for these women to come and see, to take a step closer. He says, don't be afraid. You are looking for Jesus who is crucified. Why do we sing songs of the cross? Why do we wear the cross necklaces? Because Jesus will always and forever be linked to the cross. I believe it's the only way to make sense of a world that's broken and holding all these beads together we can't make sense of. God's heart is near to the suffering and broken world. Jesus, who was crucified, but he's not here, he's risen. And then he says, and this is the stinger, y'all. Hey, just as he said. Y'all remember that? He was saying that for like three years, especially this last week. So y'all, I find great hope in that because 
I need to be told don't be afraid. Because I'm running around before Easter thinking, why isn't our music playing? The littlest things. Oh, did you forget why we were here? It's not so we could play songs on your phone for 20 minutes. No, do not be afraid, just as he said, because how soon do we forget? How soon do we forget? I love this, because I think there's this unfortunate and way too common misconception that you lovely people need to have it all figured out, or you need to have it all together before you can come. And I'm not just talking about come to church. I'm talking about come to Jesus. Guilt says I did wrong. Shame says I am wrong. And if I am wrong and I don't have it together and I don't have it all figured out, I can't make heads or tails of what this guy is talking about. I better get my stuff together before I ever come and approach God, right? Spoiler alert. Y'all ready? You will never have it all figured out. And sorry, you will never have it all together. But the invitation is to come, to see where he lay, to let yourself and dare yourself to believe that the God we have is so much bigger and better than the God we think we have. Are you with me? Would you dare to take a step to see and imagine just for a moment to open up the cracks of your heart enough to realize that God loves you more than you could ever ask or imagine and you can never outbelieve this love that he has for you. This is the love that transforms you. Not the sin, not the shame. All of that went down into the tomb with him so that he could come out on the other side and extend a hand that says, come, take a step, walk in this new creation with me. No one saw the resurrection. If you look at the gospel stories, there's not this like play by play of like, and then Jesus, whoo, that was wild. And then just, this is how he walked out. No one saw the resurrection. There is a moment of faith there to believe that perhaps God was in this. Now, we see in historical accounts beyond the New Testament that hundreds of people reported seeing Jesus. Hundreds of them in mass and in groups. But we still have to take this on faith and to believe that perhaps God's king really was alive. But I love this because I don't think the tomb was opened for Jesus to get out. I think the tomb was open so that we might dare to let Jesus in. Several years ago, if y'all were around this church, y'all might remember one of the children's sermons we did was with an Easter garden, right? We got this big old Tupperware thing. We loaded it with dirt from the yard. Then we had our two girls who were toddlers at the time go get flowers and weeds and dandelions because I had a lot of flowers and weeds and dandelions in my yard. And they filled it up. And then Amy took a russet potato and she cut out a little door and she slid it over to the side. And on Good Friday, we talked about how Jesus died. And then they put him in a tomb, just like this little potato. And we rolled the little potato door to the side on the front. And then what happens is we left it out. So Saturday, they wake up, they run in, they see the garden. And they see it, what, looking a mess. It's drooping, it's sad. Isn't this how the world feels waiting? And then, Sunday morning, we did a little parent magic. So earmuffs kids in the back, they're not listening to me anyway. We went to Kroger and we bought those crazy hyper-color, nutso, airbrush-looking flowers. Y'all know the ones I'm talking about? And we filled all that garden, took the junk out, and put the new flowers in. Y'all with me? Uh Uh-oh, Emma knows what I'm talking about now. And on Easter Sunday morning, 
at dawn on the first day of the week, little two-year-old Nora comes tumping in. And then we know that she's in the kitchen looking at the table. And then we hear literally an audible gasp. And then we hear down the hallway. And she goes, him, uh, him, uh, uh, him, him, him got out. Him got out of the potato. (laughs) And that Easter, instead of he is risen, he is risen indeed. John Brunko did this the other week. Him got out. Him got out of the potato indeed. (laughs) And I love in her two-year-old brain that we had held tiny Jesus hostage for two days in a rotting out potato so that by God's miracle, he opened that tiny door and tiny Jesus was hiding somewhere in our house. Him got out. Him got out. It's true. And I think that she was afraid, yet filled with joy. Because you've got to watch where you're walking if tiny Jesus is under the couch. And she runs afraid, yet filled with joy. And I love this because we didn't open the potato to let Jesus out, but could we begin to let Jesus in? Was it true? Is he really the king? Is God's new creation not just then, but also now? Come and take a step closer to explore and wrestle. See if transformation, freedom, and healing is possible. And here's the trick. You won't have it all figured out. You won't have it all together. But y'all, faith is not the absence of doubt. Faith is trusting Jesus in the midst of it. Whether it's two-year-old Nora or 20 or 30-something, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, they were just beginning to allow Jesus and the new hope of new creation just to color their lives enough to where perhaps even there's new life and a new purpose. And don't we all need a new beginning and a new purpose sometimes? So they go afraid yet filled with joy. And I love this because I got to imagine it's like the cartoon, like they're running, 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 and then like Jesus, like he's standing there and they bump into him. And I love that Jesus is just like, hi. Like that is the most common thing they would have said there. It wasn't like greetings though. No, to them greetings was like, what's up, y'all? I'm raised. And it was beautiful because he had to, I got to believe, He just couldn't wait for Galilee. And it's not that the angel was lying. Hey, you guys go on, tell the disciples, y'all go rendezvous up north in Galilee. It'll take a little while. No, no, no. I think Jesus was like the guy at the surprise party that was just like, can we just do it? Can we just do it now? And all of a sudden, Jesus shows up. And here's what we have to understand. Number one, they recognized him. There was something about his body that was different. And all the New Testament stories attest to this. But he's also recognizable. And there's a physicality to him. He's not some spirit. They clasped his feet. And here's why that's so important, y'all. These two women presumably came from a strand of the Jewish religion. And the central thing about the Jewish religion is that God is one, that God is unseen. And y'all know those Ten Commandments? It's worship God alone. But to see the risen Jesus, to hear his voice say again, do not be afraid. What these two women do is bow at his feet and worship Jesus. These two women who have worshipped the unseen God now see 
God in the face of Jesus. Did you hear me? Could we see God in the face of Jesus? So as we wind our story down to a close, Jesus doesn't just retell the instructions, he recommissions them. And I love this because he doesn't just say, hey guys, you've come and you've seen, now go and tell those guys. He says what? My brothers. And this is where the women are probably thinking in the back of her head, oh yeah, those deniers, those deserters, those doubters, those guys that were too scared, we're here, we're brave enough, where are they, hmm? And it's as if Jesus wants to say, no, 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 my family. Some of you come because you're hurting, you're broken, you're this, you're that, whatever that thing is that someone labels you, I'm here to tell you when God sees you, he sees son, he sees daughter, he sees family, and the new creation family is waiting for you. Would you accept his invitation to be renewed? Because there are new beginnings in God's new creation. And I love this because then he reminds them again to go back to Galilee. Y'all, when Jesus started his ministry, he started in Galilee. And he tells them because we need to restart this thing. So at the beginning of Matthew's story, Matthew quotes this age-old prophet that says these words hundreds of years before Jesus. Galilee, where all those nations are, The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Matthew quotes Isaiah 9 and then says, right when Jesus starts everything in Galilee, from that time on, he said, turn around for the kingdom of heaven has come near to you. And he tells his disciples who were deserters, who were deniers, to go back to where it all started because Easter's not just a happy ending, it's a new beginning of God's new creation to send them not just to come and see, but to go and tell the world that a light has dawned. So we close with the invitation again. Would you come to see Jesus and the victory God has won? Would you see the darkness and death in a new light that has dawned? And would you go to the places that he sent you, even the places of brokenness and pain and hurt? And would you dare to believe that new creation is possible even there? And then would you tell the lost, the left out, the lonely, the deniers, the doubters, the deserters, that God's family of new creation is waiting because God's kingdom of new creation has come because he is risen and we need not be afraid. Let's pray as we invite the worship team to come back to sing again and celebrate of the king who reigns both now and forever. Father, we are so grateful that in Christ you were reconciling the world to yourself, not counting our sins against us. For when Jesus was lifted up, he was drawing all men to himself, all women, all children to himself, so that through death he could save us through death and from death, so that in new life 
we could have a new beginning to live in new creation. So Lord, would we live as those people, not just who are looking at it, but to walk in it. For the old is gone, the new has come. And even in those spaces and places where darkness and death touch us, would your light shine, if only for today, and that we would have faith to see you in the midst of our grief, to turn us from mourners and into messengers, for he is alive and risen indeed. We pray this in the strong name of Jesus, our King. Amen. May the loving power of God, which raised Jesus to new life, strengthen you in hope, enrich you with his love, and fill you with joy in the face. Go now and tell in on the mount. Amen.